is Nick Sakevich, Commissioner of the National Lacrosse League, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. On Schreiber. Snyder with scores! Now it's Buck Fidel scores! Hands off for Rabel, switches hands and scores! Kyle Yelmiller showing off those shifty skills. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson! Welcome to Season 2 of the Pro Lacrosse Talk Podcast, the voice of Pro Lacrosse. I'm Hutton, he's Adam, and together we're bringing you interviews from all your favorite players and coaches, as well as news and analysis from all four professional lacrosse leagues. Uh, Welcome to another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. This is episode 116, and today I'm here with my co-host Adam, as well as the guys from Going Offsides Podcast, Nick Zoroya and Ryan Kuhn. Guys, welcome to the show. How are you guys doing today? Good, man. Thanks for having us. Doing well. Thank you so much for having us, man. It's good to be on with you guys. Great to uh, great to talk some lax with you. No, absolutely. You guys had me on a few months ago, so you know, returning the favor here a little bit. It's always great to have a bunch of people talking some professional lacrosse. Uh, we are getting live lacrosse pretty soon. The NLL announced it's returning April 9th to start their 35th anniversary season. Uh, let's get your guys' thoughts on the announcement. Um, we're going to get live lacrosse in you know less than five months here. Uh, how are you guys feeling about that? You know, and it's obviously a little bit later than we wished, but the fact that they are returning and they have a plan in place um, is, is pretty exciting. And what are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely pumped. I mean, I made this known to you in the, I think over the summer, this is the year that I plan on getting into box pretty heavily just mm-hmm. because it's a great opportunity to, there, there is still that vacuum and the sports schedule is just really weird this year. So I've always been a casual fan and observer, but this year I think is the year that I'm going <laughs> to get to know those guys that don't play field. <laughs> and cause right now it's easy for the guys that play both, but I'm definitely excited for that. And I don't think the NLO, I mean, I wouldn't, I didn't even think about it really when it came out, other people were like, did they do the right thing? Is this okay? I'm like, who cares? Like <laughs> you're the winner league team. Like this is your league in the winter. So who cares if it's a little bit later, like let everybody else figure it out based on you. Now I know that there's ramifications, you know, for the other box leagues that typically do run during the summer and you guys are better to speak about that. But yeah, I don't think that there's any problem with it. And I'm sure we'll talk about the potential conflicts later with, with the field leagues, Ryan. Man, it's exciting. Um, you know, I was, once they announced they were putting the Riptide or a team back in the Nassau Coliseum on Long Island, I was back in. Um, I, mm. I, I think it's awesome. Um, I'm really excited. I think that, you know, with everything going on, with a lot of uncertainty around a lot of other things, I think, you know, them doing the right thing and pushing it back is definitely an awesome thing. I think it, it gives them the best path for success, um, you know, as opposed to kind of doing some things and trying to make some decisions where they might have to backtrack a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it gives them a lot of time to see how things develop. Um, to really kind of nail down a, a huge plan because you're talking about as opposed to a lot of other leagues um, where, um, you know, the majority of the people are, are you know, from, say, North America, or even in the NHL, like most people come from Canada. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a split with so many tr- people traveling and doing so many different things and having full time jobs as well as playing. It gives them an opportunity to really kind of nail down a plan um, that really gives the fans something to look forward to. I think it's awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, you know, and also too, with the uncertainty around college athletics, man, this, it, it might be the only lacrosse that we're watching for a really long time. So I, I'm pumped as I'm sure all you guys are. It's, it's, it's a great time and I, I can't wait for it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great time for the league just to kind of put some news out there too. They, they've kind of been on a hiatus a little bit there and they were unfortunately not able to finish out the season right there. Mm-hmm. They're too big to necessarily bubble, but too small to, to make uh, something really impactful. So it's uh, really exciting that they make this announcement in addition to this, right? The, the Hall of Fame was announced mm-hmm. that it's coming back, which is really, really exciting. So we can talk maybe later some Hall of Fame picks potentially, but yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, for the league's announcement and, and the prospect of, of a season. You know, it's definitely interesting too. You know, they plan on having fans. Um, and obviously I, I think, you know, we will have fans by that time. I mean, you're going to have the return of the NHL and NBA, hopefully uh, we don't know when that is, but they're looking at, you know, January, February timeframe. I think it was smart for them to choose April because it gives them time to kind of see what these other bigger leagues are planning on doing, you know, where they play in the same arenas. Um, you know, they, we had he- heard too from commissioner Sakevich that, he they toyed with a bubble for a little bit last year um just didn't make sense because like you said adam you know it's they're a little bit too big they rely heavily on you know fans being attending games you know the ticket revenue is a huge part of the business whereas other leagues kind of like the mll and pll it's it's not as big of a a thing for them um that's why they were able to do these bubbles whereas the nll it's a big thing you know there's a lot of arenas that get sold out the bandits are a prime example halifax had a good showing last year uh, calgary always shows out well um there's a, there a ton of them that are turning out well and you know i think it's just going to continue to rise um this is a league that's growing they're going to welcome the 14th team we'll know a name in you know a little less than two weeks i believe uh fort worth they're going to welcome a 15th team it sounds like 16 is also on the way so you know this league's growing um and it, it's going to be exciting. And I think what you hit on too, Nick, like a lot of people were a little bit worried what this meant for field. We're going to get into that, but they made the right decision for the NLL. The NLL is uh, I I'd say the most successful pro lacrosse league right now. I think that's not really up for debate. Um, again, we mentioned how many teams they have recommend their, you know, their 35 years going strong with this league. They, you know, obviously been successful for a while now. And I think now they have strong owners. So um, it was the right decision for them to, you know, make it on their own terms. But uh, to be fair, Commissioner Sakevich said he's talking to the PLL. He's talked to Paul Rabel. He's talked to Sandy Brown with the MLL. Um, and so they're definitely taking into consideration because that's where we're going to find a little bit, you know, of the conflict's going to be not really with us as fans. We can watch whatever's on TV, whatever's on, you know, going to be showing, but these players are going to have to make some decisions. Um, and you have some, you know, big name players that play in both leagues. Zach Courier is a prime example, and he was just named president of the PLPA, um, you know, which represents these NLL players. Um, there is no governing, you know, body that kind of represents the field players. You know, I think that maybe we might see the PLPA uh, attempt to represent these field players in the future. They did try to do that in the past. It kind of fell through. Um, but what are you guys' thoughts on this potentially impacting the field season? Do you see the PLL and MLL accommodating the NLL? Cause I think right now the balls in, you know, the field leagues courts to kind of accommodate these players, or do you think they're kind of just gonna, you know, go guns ablaze and start when they intended to and kind of leave it up to the players to make the decision. So personally, I think two things, the PLPA being a, a box players, you know, union mm-hmm. that's to their advantage because now you have a bunch of guys that do play both and they all have a union and they're all organized. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that is, is, is tremendously to their advantage because they can all say together, Hey, we won't play the PLL before this date or we won't play the mll before this date if it was the other way around the box league i mean the nll would be on the other side of this thing so i think that that's to everyone's advantage that 
it already exists for the box players because they have all the negotiating power. Two, I don't think if you're smart, I mean, personally, I think this is huge for the MLL. And here's why, because the PLL is going to do whatever it does. It doesn't really care what anyone else is doing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to turn off some of its own players. And whether those players choose to just deal with it and play late and miss a few games, or they just say, screw this, I'm going to go to that. I'm going to go back to the MLL. That that's something that I could see happening. I already see a few guys this year transitioning either back or just to the MLL in general, just Mm -hmm. because of the fact that if I didn't, I, I see another bubble for both the pro leagues, the field leagues for one more year. So if we do that again, and I didn't make the roster, if I'm Larkin Kemp, I didn't make the, the bubble roster last year. Why would I even submit myself to that again? I'm not going to take two years off of pro lacrosse. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go and I'm going to kill it in the MLL and I'm going to be an all-star and, and I'm going to have a good time doing it. So I think there are players like that. And then you add on the, the new draft picks, some of the guys that didn't get a chance to come over yet, they may want to. Mm-hmm. And now you have even less room. So you have more guys that are like, man, do I want to risk not making a bubble roster in the PLL? Mm-hmm. Or do I want to actually showcase myself, build my brand in the, in the MLL? So I think that's the other side of this too. If the MLL is the most agile, I would say, with its commitments and being mostly you know, on fringe ESPN networks, that it can play whenever they want to play. So if they want to wait till mm-hmm. August, more power to them. You know, I think that's a great call. I think the PLL, because they're in bed with NBC and they have to hit all this stuff to, to, to just stay afloat, they, they're at the mercy of their network that they really can't afford to wait too long. So like, mm-hmm. that's going to be the weird part is how long can the PLL wait for these players before they just have to play? Mm-hmm. I think the MLL guys are like, we'll play in August. We'll play in early September. Like what's the difference really to them? It's not different than this year, honestly. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think that's where the advantage is, I think, for the MLL this year. I think the MLL has an opportunity here to have the best product that they've had ever, honestly, but especially since the PLL became, you know, a mm-hmm. major player. Yeah, and I would agree with most of that. Um, the one thing, I, I don't think we're going to see a bubble from the field leagues. I really don't. I think if you have fans in the NLL, and again, this is all COVID dependent, so this is me speculating, but I, I think they're going to, you know, PLL is going to go full steam ahead, have their touring model, hopefully, you know, COVID will be kind of in check by then. Again, that's a, a lot of it's going to rely on that. And I'm you know, speculating here in November, we're pretty far out from there, but um, I, I don't see, you know, another bubble situation, but I agree with you. I think, you know, we know that a lot of these players were on two-year deals. These two-year deals are up now um, unless they signed an extension, which, you know, some of them did. Um, that means, you know, they have the opportunity to choose between the MLL and PLL. And like you said, if they're predominantly box players or playing both, and the box season, I, I really think it's going to go till July. You know, it's usually a five to six month season. Mm-hmm. I think they'll maybe go three to four months. Some people are saying, oh, they'll do like one, two months. Like th- that's not going to mm-hmm. happen. You know, the NLL is going to go into at least July, I believe, if not, maybe even August. Um, they're going to get their full season in, you know, might be a little bit abbreviated, but they're still going to play a, a pretty normal season. Um, so, you know, like you said, why not start in it? you know, August, or maybe the MLL starts a little bit and there's a little bit of overlap like there has been in years past, but I think you're right. There, there's an advantage. The MLL has a little bit more leeway with that than the PLL probably does. I think too, just, uh, I, I think you're both making great points. I, I, I think one thing too, is that, I mean, there's just, 
too many good lacrosse players out there for all of these leagues to just not do whatever it is that they want to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the NLL is going to do what they do. You know, we had it years ago where there was that crossover between, you know, the NLL and the MLL and the NLL guys didn't get into the season until halfway through, Mm -hmm. you know, that was the whole big thing with the Hamilton nationals, right? They didn't have their team until four or five weeks into the middle of the season. And then they went on and they got all their box guys. And then they went on a tear and beat everybody, won the championship, you know, the, the, the rest is history. Um, you know, I think um, for one of the things too is, is that you have so many good guys coming out of college with this year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the PLL is going to be stacked. So, you know, Nick's points, absolutely 110% correct. How many guys are going to go from the PLL to the MLL? So the MLL from a talent standpoint, from a, 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 a playing level standpoint is going to be as high as it's been you know, in the last few years, because they're getting some of those other players that were in the PLL coming back. You've got some of those college kids that are going to choose playing in the MLL over. So there's going to be some crossover, but I think too, you know, you've got, I think there's a good chance that you're going to see the PLL and the NLL working together just because, you know, they have some investors, they have mutual investors that mm-hmm. have, have stake in both leagues. Joe so, yep. um, you know, it, it, you know, you're not going to cut off your nose despite your own face. Right. So I, I think there's a good chance where you're going to see um, those two leagues playing nice in the sandbox. And then, you know, the MLL, I, they're, they're going to do what they do. I think I, I, I'm really, I, I wasn't a huge fan going into this past year. The MLL got me back and I, I feel really strong that they're, they're going to have another great summer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you mentioned some guys, Nick, too, like Larkin Kemp, um, you know, that maybe, you know, might go back, you know, some of these players that, you know, maybe a little lesser names. Do we think any of these big names, like, you know, Adam and I were kind of, we were kind of talking, Adam, like, you know, do you, do we think like the Thompson brothers that are in the PLL go back to the MLL, play with Lyle or, you know, guys, maybe like a Chris Cloutier or Ben McIntosh that are pretty predominant in the NLL. um, Do they kind of jump ship, you know, because they, they both had a role in their respective teams, but Chris Cloutier is a much bigger box player on the bandits than he was probably on the Atlas. Um, so I don't know, Adam, what are your kind of thoughts? I know we talked to a few names. Um, who, who do you think might be a big name going back to the MLL or do you think it will be more of the fringe roster guys that go back? Yeah. I, to, to your point about Chris Cloutier, I don't know if he couldn't be just as big of an impact on, on the, the, Atlas last year, to be honest with you, with how their season went, I think if he had played a little bit more, uh, he could have had as big of an impact as he had on uh, on the Bandits the last few years. So um, it'll be really interesting to see. I I'm I'm just so curious how how the leagues kind of you know finagle the 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 jump back and forth. You know, we saw one right that that went originally from the PLL uh, Dylan Malloy, right? He was on. Uh, mm. the PLL uh, rosters, and then he headed back to, to play for the Lizards. So I, I'm, and, Callum, really and Callum Crawford, too, yep. who also discussed that on our most recent podcast episode interview, um, how, you know, he was kind of locked in, sitting in that player pool. They eventually let him out of his contract at the end of the first year. Um, but, yeah, you know, it, it, it's kind of – it hasn't really been done yet other than those two odd circumstances. But they never stepped on the field, you know. Um, in the PLL uniform we're going to see players that have been in a PLL game before now go back to the MLL it's you know I don't know how many it will be but yeah it's going to be definitely an interesting uh, scenario for sure Um, and what are you guys' thoughts too on you know guys that are like pretty you know we mentioned guys that are like pretty big in both leagues I mean Matt Rambo is a huge part of the wings you know I think he enjoys Mm -hmm. playing in front of a big crowd at Wells Fargo Center 
Um, whereas, you know, the field, it, you just don't have that big of a draw. Um, it's starting to get a little bit bigger. Um, but you got Matt Rambo, Josh Byrne, you know, Zach Courier we talked about, Tom Schreiber. I mean, these guys are, you know, if, they, you know, let's say in a perfect world, they're able to play in all of the games in both leagues. But let's say they had to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- where, which route do you think that those guys go? I think it's completely dependent on the person, right? So a guy like Courier, his identity is mostly in box. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so if I'm a guy like that, I'm going to go with whatever field league does it the right way for me this year. And I'm probably going to stick with them for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Plus I'm not, if I'm Courier, I've only been in the PLL for one year. I'm not as invested. Like my brand isn't mm-hmm. the PLL mm-hmm. either. Okay. So if I'm a guy like him and the MLL is like, Hey, 100%, talking to the PLPA, we're not going to overlap guaranteed. I'm like, okay, you know, maybe I just go that route. There's plenty of box guys in the MLL. You know, there's plenty mm-hmm. of guys that I know that I'm familiar with. That we, I'll be fine. I'll be happy in either league, but if your identity is box first, okay, that's different. Now, some of these other guys where, you know, like a Rambo like field first, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit different. His, his entire, his brand, like I think most, if you talk to an American kid, they only know Matt Rambo from Maryland and the Whip Snakes. Mm-hmm. They don't know him as much from the Wings. Now we do because we follow both, but like that's still not the norm, I would say, in 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 the U.S. So mm-hmm. it's completely dependent. I don't want to just say it's Canadian versus U.S. Which which way you are or not, because I don't think that's fair. Some some guys have thrived more in the other league than you you know the opposite league that you would expect. So. Mm-hmm. I'll say that I have heard rumors and they could be, it could be pure speculation that some of the native players in the PLL didn't have the best experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's all I'll say, and that I could see them going back and saying like, let's, let's maybe, maybe it's best for our entire brand if we unite into one league and really push that. And, you know, let's not kid ourselves. Zed is incredible, but still Lyle as the head of that, that show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so do i think you could see i mean a guy like jeremy i mean i couldn't tell if he was on the atlas so that paul could make great social media posts or because he was legitimately a member of the atlas right. i would love to see him playing significant minute minutes mm-hmm. right in the in the mll so i could see some stuff like that happening i mean i don't think it's just how how the the games go and how the playing time goes like i don't think connor fields is going to bail on the pll just because of his situation if anything there's more box guys you know in the mll and and i from what i had heard that there there was an issue with some of the you know the guys on the chaos you know Mm -hmm. that's that's why he wasn't playing at the end it was was more players choice than it was coaches choice at the end there so I think that's going to happen. And then just to circle back real quick before we get too far, I think that there's going to be some version of a bubble, maybe, maybe more so for the players than it is the fans. Maybe we have, you know, a 20% attendance at, at the MLL bubble and it rotates, but the players do need to be kind of sequestered to make sure that they get a full season off because you don't want to do the touring model, like the PLL. And then you got to worry about each state's individual restrictions and that just gets real messy real fast. So I think if you want to guarantee your league survives, you need to do what's in the best interest of 100% this happens. Mm-hmm. I don't think even, you know, when we're planning for next summer, you can 100% say it's going to happen in a traveling model. I just don't see it. You know, yeah, I do no, think we can have fans. I think in the NLL, it's great in April if you want to have fans, but it's still going to be only a part, a portion of what you would normally have. I don't think, especially in Canada, where they're a little bit stricter, 
you're not going to have 100% fans. Well, so, who knows if who knows if those borders are even going to be fully open? And that's like, another, you know, yeah, that's a whole other thing. Restrictions on these guys. Who knows? Who knows? You know, yeah, I mean, you, I, I think plays in Toronto. Yeah, and that's the thing is, there's a lot just we just don't know or speculating. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm kind of yep. operating on the assumption that everything's kind of going to be returning back to normal. We don't know that. You know, it's still very far away. Um, you know, Canada is now doing rapid testing at their border sites. You don't, don't, I think at certain sites, you don't have to necessarily quarantine for 14 days like you did before. That's pretty much, I think within a week or two happened. So it, it's pretty new there too. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, like you said, there's a lot of, you know, ifs. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, and we really need, you know, we, we talked yeah. to Miles Silva about it and he wasn't first at first allowed to play in the MLL tournament last year because, he was considered an amateur athlete, even though he plays professional lacrosse mm-hmm. at the highest level. So we need both these leagues to work with the governments to be, you know, make them full-time professionals in, in the eyes of the government so that they are essential workers and they can actually get to where they need to go to play. Cause otherwise they're not going to let part-time amateur athletes cross the border. Mm-hmm. So that, that's something that the PLPA should definitely, you know, work on just their, their status within the government because I still think that's a huge thing moving forward, not only for, you know, the armed forces players, but also just in general, there's tons of stuff going on with the government that that's important too. So, but yeah, let's talk more Ryan about guys moving over from, from one league to the other. (laughs) Yeah, no, and absolutely. And I don't want to too. Also, uh, you know, I I mentioned, you know, who would, what decisions these players would make, Um, you know, Zach is a prime example of a guy that would go, play a game on Friday, uh, you know, in the summer box and then go play an MLL game just after wrapping up an MLL season. So a lot of these players are no strangers to playing multiple games on multiple weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that's a testament to these athletes and what they're able to, to do, you know, doing these back-to-backs, um, you know, multiple games in a weekend. Um, but yeah, you know, let's talk a, a little bit more about either guys, you know, going over um, or, you know, and then free agency as a whole, because, regardless of what the situation was with the NLL and the field leagues, uh, we were going to have a big free agency this spring as well, because as I mentioned, you know, a lot of the two-year contracts are up. Um, Who are some names that you guys think are going to go over? I know we mentioned a a few, but are there any other big ones that I kind of missed that you think might return in the MLL? I think the environment is going to affect that a lot, right? So Mm -hmm. if we are still somewhat conservative and, and precautionary, and we do have limitations, like we are going to do another bubble. I tend to think that these guys that were in the PLL and like they live in the Northeast or wherever that MLL bubble might be, that might play a factor. Like Mm -hmm. how far away from home do I need to be for how long? Mm -hmm. And maybe they do something, you know, similar to what the end of the MLL tournament was like, where it's a little bit more open door and you're going home if you live in Philly type situation. So maybe mm-hmm. that plays into it too. You know, if, if you, maybe they try to keep it local, same thing. If the borders are closed, maybe they're trying to have mostly North American rosters. Like I think the environment's going to play a lot into that. I don't know how much the relationships will actually play into that. I think, I mean, I don't know a ton of big names that are not on contract off the top of my head that we haven't already kind of hit on. Mm-hmm. I think convenience is going to play a huge factor into what decisions guys make. And I mean, and I think you're kind of getting to the point where the PLL is growing, you know, the MLL is still a viable option. I think you, you might be a year away from it, or it might happen for a couple of guys this summer where it really depends on who's coaching the team and, and, and their style of play and, 
what fits them the best. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, and this is, I don't know anything, but you know, you brought up Connor Fields, like, yeah, his situation and everything like that, but you're going to tell me he wouldn't at least think about maybe making a jump back to the MLL so he could play with Lyle Thompson on the Mm -hmm. Bayhawks. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could in a perfect, you know, I, I could totally see, those all, you know, the Albany guys getting together and trying to make something work like they had when they played together in college. Um, and, and you can, and you see that, I mean, guys that have a lot of chemistry and guys that play together, those are the guys that have success in the way these professional leagues are built right now, because, you know, they aren't practicing every day. They don't have the ability to build that chemistry on a daily basis because they're off doing other things and they can only get together a couple of days a week and what, so on and so forth. But um, I mean, that's just me. I, I, I don't know if we're there yet, um, but I, I think as the PLL grows and as some guys get maybe a little bit more um, dissatisfied with their roles within teams, they're going to do things that are, that are more convenient to them, whether it be a travel situation um, I don't think finances, I think finances play a little bit into it, but, mm. you know, at the same time, like, you know, uh, as guys, individual situations change, whether it be work, personal life, travel, all that stuff, you might see some guys that you might not have thought make a change. Maybe they do go make a change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the powers now to, to the players too, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you also, you made me think too, like you, you said, you know, guys choosing where they play and accepting roles well some of these fringe guys too can kind of play a wait and see if you're you know if you're on the chaos uh maybe their practice roster or whatever and it turns out you know some conflicts do arise and a lot of these chaos guys are playing box and can't make the games where you're going to get the call up you know so Mm -hmm. that's another situation that might happen you might see some of these guys um get you know opportunities that maybe they wouldn't have been afforded to them well that's Um, like that's like a steven berger in the mll back in the day like mm-hmm. some of these guys that might be fringe guys that might be, um, you know, a D3 guy that gets a chance because somebody had a prior commitment somewhere else. Like it, that's completely possible with the way the schedules might be set up. So you might see, you know, there might be the next budding star for, you know, the PLL, you know, on a practice roster right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, guys mm-hmm. do get better as they get older because, you know, you, you don't really reach your physical peak. If you stay in tip top shape and you grow and you mature and everything like that, like, you know, it takes some guys like um, a couple of years to really kind of reach that, the, the peak of their game. And to piggyback off of what you were saying about convenience and work. When I, when I thought about that for a second, I look at the guys that play in the PLL and a lot of them are on a coaching staff somewhere in college, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or they've made lacrosse kind of a full-time gig or they work for the PLO. And when I look at it the other way, I look at the MLO, I'm like, if I don't do any of that stuff, if I just have a traditional job in New York city, well, the MLO seems a lot more accommodating. Like how long can these guys wait until the PLL needs too much from them where mm-hmm. they actually do have to decide between their day job and like something has to give. I mean, I saw a game in the, in the MLL tournament where one of the players, and I don't want to say it wrong because I don't want to say the wrong name, but one of the players was up in the booth finishing a work conference call in full uniform before running down the field and starting the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Tell me that that flies in the PLO. Not to say that's a bad, I think it's a great thing because you got to, you know, you got to feed the family first, but I don't see that kind of stuff happening in the PLO and the MLO. I think that's going to be, they're going to be a little bit more accommodating to guys that have a, like a full-time career that does not 
revolve around lacrosse. You know, if I'm Deemer class, I can go to I can go to Utah for two weeks and run my online business, mm-hmm. my training business. No doubt. And that's not it's not the case for many of those MLL guys, many of them. And and listen to at some point, these guys that are on a college coaching staff, they're going to have to make a decision because, you know, uh, people only give you the rope and, and, and do that for so long. I mean, if teams have bad years and you're missing time from a recruiting event to go play in a pro league, um, you know, it, at some point you're going to have to make a decision. Um, you know, and, and there are some guys that are coaching that are head coaches at the division one level right now um, that are playing in the pro leagues. Um, you know, they have a short window. Um, and with the way college lacrosse is going right now and the way people are getting hired and fired at an alarming rate, more so now than in the past, guys are going to have to make a decision. I mean, you know, John Galloway can can put all the Instagram posts up all he wants and tell us all how Jacksonville is the lacrosse capital of the South. If you don't win games, my man, you are not going to have a job. I think, too, if we want the sport to grow and be taken seriously, you know, there's going to be some growing pains. I mean, mm-hmm. Adam, we were talking too. Uh, just about how the NLL eventually wants all their players to be full-time. Um, and, you know, they're going to be accommodating the field leagues to a point, but eventually, you know, the goal is to have full-time athletes, uh, whether you're a field or box. And, you know, there's going to be some decisions to make right now. I don't think we're at that point. Um, you know, it might be expedited a little bit if there are some conflicts this summer, but I still think, you know, both it benefits both box and field leagues to accommodate their athletes. But there's going to come a time, you know, where like what you mentioned, Nick, that's not going to fly. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that it's sooner rather than later. And again, I know these guys have full, they all have them have day jobs that they got to take priority because they're making way much, way more money, you know, working in their profession than they are playing pro lacrosse. But we mm-hmm. hope at some point we do get there. I know, Adam, you know, talk about that a lot. Yeah. And, and, you know, another caveat that we haven't really even talked about, but Ryan brought it up is the college season, right? So the NLL draft happened and, and those organizations aren't really allowed to talk with their draftees at the moment um, because of NCAA uh, rulings and those types of things. Can you imagine what's going to happen if say the season does get canceled again, we're looking at potentially some athletes being able to come back. If you're in a two-year master's program, you want to stick around college next year, it's potentially going to be an option depending on the institution. Mm -hmm. You're going to have college rosters and programs with potentially six years of players on a team at once. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a wild ride on the college side and just as much on the, on the uh, professional side, because we saw last year with, with how um, the MLL draft, right. They, they drafted guys that weren't potentially coming into the league. PLL went a different route with that. So um, it's going to be wild to, to see how, how the, the college season breaks down to, and how it affects really the dominoes fall for, for the pro game. Adam, are you suggesting that we could see Jeff Teat suit up for the riptide if there is no uh, field season for Cornell in the spring? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know why. That would be pretty I, awesome. Uh, again, you know, I don't want to expedite yeah. that and wish any bad juju on the Cornell's season or any of the spring college lacrosse season but uh it's also a possibility if you know things aren't where they you know need to be and um we don't have a collegiate lacrosse season but uh let's take a quick break here we're for our sponsor and then when we come back we're going to talk some voting no not the elections we're going to talk our plt votes that our fans voted for and uh talk about what are some of the top players of 2020 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today, I also want to talk to you about our affiliate, Players Academy. Are you looking to improve your lacrosse game from home? Players Academy, started in part by multiple Hall of Fame lacrosse players, including Jay Jalbert, currently offers premier lacrosse online video instructional training courses from two of the top players in the world today, Atlas attackman Rob Pinnell and Archer's midfielder Tom Schreiber. You can learn how to run the two-man game, perform Rob Pinnell's signature question mark dodge, attack from X, work the island, and more in these fun-to-watch lacrosse courses. We've also teamed up with Players Academy to offer a special $25 off your Players Academy course of choice. Simply use the code PLT at checkout and start learning from the best in the game today. All right, so welcome back. So we had a PLT votes where we had you guys as fans on Twitter vote for the top players of this year, both box and field. We had, you know, different categories. Um, So I'm going to go through who won each category, and then I'm going to let you guys kind of discuss whether you think they should have won uh, or if you think there was somebody else that, you know, maybe was more deserving of that honor. So for uh, the top off the voting, we had Calum Crawford registered 57% of votes uh, for box player of the year. He was going up against Rob Hellier and the MVP of this past season, Shane Jackson. Then field player of the year was Zed Williams. Uh, he was going up against Bryce Wasserman as well as Joe Nardella. And then box defender slash transition player of the year uh, went to Challen Rogers with 41% of the votes. He was going up against Zach Courier and Graham Hosick. And then for field defender of the year, Matt Dunn, who also won uh, defender of the year for the PLL, he won with 50% of the votes. He was going up against Ben Randall of the Wizards um, and Matt McMahon of the Archers. I also had a little other category. I put Matt McMahon in there because he led the league in cause turnovers. He actually was not, not even nominated for defender of the year in the PLL. And then field offensive player of the year went to Matt Rambo with 38%. He edged out uh, Josh Byrne and Ryan Lee. And then for box goalie of the year, Dylan Ward won at 49%. He edged out Doug Jamison and Zach Higgins. Field goalie went to Blaze Reardon with 39%. He was going up against Scannoni as well as Kyle Burnlore. And then with box rookie of the year was Tyson Gibson. He had one rookie of the year in the NLL with 39% of the votes. Field rookie, which wasn't a category uh, for the PLL, but was for the MLL, went to Grant Ament. Uh, Dan Baccaro was right behind him, uh, as well as Brian Costabile, but Grant Ament came out on top with 44%. Box coach went to Mike Accursi with 38%. You know, he took over that Halifax Thunderbirds team. It was his first year as head coach of the team, and he uh, edged out Paul Day and Glenn Clark. Field coach went to Sean Quirk, who uh, won the his first championship with the Boston Cannons, he uh, edged out Jim Stagnita winning back-to-back as well as Tim Sudan, who uh, kind of turned that Chrome team around. And then finally team of the year as voted on by everybody. It was between the black wolves, the whip snakes and the cannons. It went to the whip snakes at 38%. They went back to back. So understandably they were the top team. We had almost a thousand votes. Uh, we appreciate everyone voting. Let's get your guys' thoughts though. Uh, who got snubbed? Who was uh, maybe right on the money? Uh, what were you guys' thoughts on the, this voting and, and who won these awards? Yeah, I'll take one right away. I Zed Williams is fantastic. 
but I thought, and this was no secret when I was helping with you guys during the, the bubble, mm-hmm. I thought Nardella was by far and away the I most knew you were impact- go there. He's the most impactful guy. Okay. The, the ball doesn't get to that end of the field without Nardella. Okay. It was make it, take it. So, I, I mean, not, like if it was 1A, 1B, I mean, Zed's awesome, but Nardella was just his, – his numbers were equally as unreal – but I don't think you'll ever see a face-off guy win field player of the year. So I totally understand. But, you know, that's that's one where I thought Nardella got snuck. I agree, too. I, I, I voted for Nardella. Just, you know, I, I think, like you mentioned, you know, he, he was, uh, I think, above 70% uh, in that tournament. Again, it was, you know, a smaller sample size than, you know, going through a whole season. But, uh, yeah, he definitely made an impact. And, um, you know, I think he, he deserved to be recognized. Uh, what about you, Ryan? Any- I'll agree. I mean, I do agree with both of you. I mean, all things considered, I'm going to take your side on it. If he wasn't the MVP, he was definitely the unsung hero. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, he was an absolute stud for them. Um, you know, for me, I don't think it was a snub, but I, I, I don't think I think of people talk about him, but they don't really understand just how good he is. Bacaro is a stud. Mm-hmm. He is a bona fide star. Um, and I don't think he gets the publicity he should. Um, and I think probably because people just had a smaller sample size of him this Mm -hmm. year, but I mean, he is going to be an absolute stud. You're talking about somebody that, you know, could easily make the jump to the PLL. He's one of those guys. Um, he could step in and be an impact player right away, but at the same time, he's in a really good spot. I mean, I think he, Mm -hmm. he has the ability to be, um, you know, one of the top, if not the top player in that league. I mean, he, he, I I love watching him play. I love the way he plays. Um, and I'm excited to see him kind of take that next step this year. So, I mean, not that it's a snub, but I mean, I just think that he's one of those guys where, you know, it's nice to see that he's up. I mean, Grant Amon had a, had a phenomenal summer in that mm-hmm. small sample size, but you know, he, Bacaro is one of those guys, he, you know, he wasn't talked about as much as say a Grant Amon coming out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he kind of flew under the radar just based on where he went to college as compared to, you mm-hmm. know, the hype train that Penn state was, you know, mm-hmm. for the last couple of years. So are you saying that he should have been field offensive player of the year? Um, I'm like, not where, saying or uh, feel yeah. like where did he get snubbed? I'm just trying to so for the sake of argument. R- rookie, well, I think it was rookie, rookie of the year. Of the year. Okay. Yeah. It was field right, rookie right. of the year. And I'm not saying he was snubbed. I mean, I, I think you could go either way with that. I mean, mm-hmm. just for me, that's somebody who you know, I, I don't think people really truly under like, you know, it, it's kind of piggyback on what you said. I mean, you know, with Nardella, you know, him not getting the love that he deserves, I think, you know, Bacaro in the same, not in the same breath, but he's one of those guys where with what he does and what he brings to the table and his level of talent, mm-hmm. I don't think he gets as much love as compared to, you know, the guys that are, you know, um, obviously performing in the MLL, but definitely compared to the guy, the talent level that's in the PLL. Yeah. Because when I look at, I know you guys had to like cut it off somewhere. Like, so for field offensive player of the year, you couldn't put Zed again, mm-hmm. but in reality, like if Nardella is my field player of the year, Zed is, for sure my offensive player of the year because Rambo wasn't even the best attackman on his own team. True. I mean, Rambo had a big role. Like there was a reason why other guys were still open, but if you looked at the numbers, like Zed is by far. uh, You could make the argument that Rambo meant more to that attack though. Uh, I, I I would make that argument. I think, uh, you know, I think I would still give the edge to Zed, but uh, Mm -hmm. 
Rambo kind of flew under the radar because it was, you know, Zed Williams finishing a lot of those shots. And again, you know, Zed also scored a lot of unassisted shots as well. But, uh, you know, Rambo's still the, the guy that makes that train go. Um, Adam, for what sure, about you? Do you sure. have any goalie opinions? Yeah, I mean, you know, as, as much as uh, everyone wanted to trade Dylan Ward last season, I'm, I'm all for uh, the Dylan Ward as box goalie of the year. You know, that was a toss-up. Doug Jameson actually ended up winning that award. Um, and kind of speaking of the box, it was another interesting one that uh, in our vote, I think Callum Crawford won, right? And I think that's mm-hmm. probably what most people would have expected from the box game. Uh, I think Shane Jackson was a little bit of a surprise. Obviously a fantastic choice, had a mm-hmm. phenomenal season with the Swarm last year. But uh, I think a lot of people thought Callum would want, win. Uh, and I'm not surprised he won on our end. So, um, but I mean, yeah, for, for how Blaze's season started last year, um, um, in terms of just, you know, the chirping and whatnot. Say it. Right? Say it. Yeah, right. <laughs> say it. So what you're going to say. Yeah, I think, you know, it was fantastic how we finished. And I mean, absolutely deserving of that uh, back-to-back goalie of the year award. Absurd. See, I, like, th- those saves were like, just the, the amount of saves were, mm-hmm. were absolutely insane. It's sad that he had to make so many to yep. be competitive. Yeah. At the you same time. You probably want MVP if they, they pull that that game off that went off so, I, I think. if you put scanone in the pll and start him for pretty much any team i think he wins that award i think he played insane and connecticut did not help him mm-hmm. i've spoken to you several times hutton how i think the biggest difference between the mll and the pll is the deep holes Mm-hmm. There it is, is such really a is. huge lack of depth on defense in the MLL comparatively. Yeah. The goalie play is on par in my opinion. So you've got, you've got huge names in the PLL, but you have some guys in the MLL that could step in day one and be starters. Mm. And I love the trade ward thing. N- not for the box though. I, I'm a big trade ward fan for, for the PLL. You need to, why is my man wearing sweatpants in Utah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> on the sideline he needs to be in a game so like yeah. let's 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 put him let's put connor fields in a package deal let's get him over to a different team like the water dogs and let's see what happens i mean let them trade a first round pick or, or something like that to, to make that happen because let's those two action. guys let's, let's make it interesting yeah let's get some those trades. are two guys that need let's to get, be let's somewhere get, let's make moving. things wild we need some off-season movement we really do i i've been itching for it and we don't know when the trade you know window is necessarily open but mm-hmm. we hope it's soon um i really like scanoni as well um, I actually voted for him just because of what you mentioned. I, I think, you know, I, I think he's a capable starter. I still think, I, I don't know if I'd put him at the level at some of those guys. I mean, you know, we didn't even mention like a Jack and Cannon who I think does, mm-hmm. you know, just about the same no, on that Atlas team that has a lot of holes. Um, for me though, the biggest snub, again, I love Matt Dunn. We've had him on the podcast. I think he's deserving of the award, but Matt McMahon does a lot of what Matt Dunn does and still led the league in cause turnovers. And this is maybe me just being bitter that he wasn't even nominated for the defender of the year award, but he's a guy that to me just like does all the intangibles. And then, you know, you you look at whether he as a field general on the field, you know, commanding that defense, he he checks the boxes. He's, uh, you know, getting in front of shots in cage. Uh, And then he's, you know, padding the stats with the the cause turnovers as well. I, you know, I think he checks every box. So to not see him get a little bit more recognition uh, was kind of disappointing for me. Um, and then field coach, you know, a lot of power to Sean Quirk with how he's built this team. Um, and, you know, Stagnita also, you did a commendable job also getting him back to back. 
I really like what Tim Sand did, though. He really revamped this Chrome team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had a lot of new a faces on the team, but a lot of old faces that he was able to get a lot out of them, you know, knowing these guys from his time with the Rattlers. Um, and, you know, I, I really liked what he did. And I, I was really bummed when they got eliminated in that mm-hmm. first round because I think they could have gone pretty far. That might have been one of the best moves that the PLL did in their last season bringing him in. What um, he overcame before he even got to the bubble. Yep. Half of his team's like, I can't come because of work. Well, he's and just, he rebuilt that defense that was just rebuilt. But he's been in it. He's lived it. He yeah. did it with the MLL. Like he's yeah. a pro, he was a phenomenal player. He's a phenomenal high school coach, and he has that professional experience. I mean, it was, I you know, I, I think it was a great move on their part, and, and you know, it's only going to continue to get better. Yeah, he didn't win enough to win the award, but honestly, he had the biggest jump in terms of Chrome Year One to Chrome Year Two was. Mm-hmm you just can't you can't describe it yeah i mean and then the what do you like i said what do you overcame like all right we're gonna get a new coach we're gonna get him some new deep holes whatever all right now a bunch of these guys can't even come and so now he's getting the guys like you know salomon a bunch of other guys and and for some reason it all just kind of works it wasn't perfect there were there were growing pains mm-hmm. but man did they look so much better and I can't think of a better guy to to handle that attack than Matt Gaudet than than Coach Sudan. So, yeah, no, absolutely. So th- those are our thoughts on the awards. Uh, we appreciate everyone voting. If you guys uh, agree with us, let us know. If you disagree with us, let us know. Either tweet at us uh, at our personal handles or on the PLT account. Um, let let your uh, your voice be heard. Um, we appreciate you guys hopping on. Make sure you guys check out Going Offsides podcast. It's on the Lacrosse All Stars Network. Um, you guys can check them out. They have a lot of great interviews coming up. So check those out. We appreciate you guys coming on. Um, and thank you guys all for listening to another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today I also want to talk to you about our affiliate Streaker Sports. Streaker Sports features an array of throwback t-shirts and apparel, including t-shirts of defunct major indoor lacrosse league teams such as the Baltimore Thunder, New York Saints, Syracuse Smash, and Boston Blazers. They also provide custom uniforms and shorts that are perfect for your rec team's upcoming lacrosse tournament or season. Better yet, we've teamed up with Streaker Sports to provide you with a special discount. Simply visit StreakerSports.com and use the code PLT to save 15% on your order today.